Hey everybody, how you doing? And welcome to episode number 149 of the John Riley Project. Thanks for joining me. We're live streaming on Facebook and YouTube and hoping you're getting a chance to join us here on the live stream. Um, we'll be taking Q&A during the podcast, so I welcome your input. And um, yeah, this is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And man, the No Malarkey Tour has asked Kamala Harris to join him on the uh, on the campaign trail on the No Malarkey Tour bus. Uh, Kamala Harris has, has just been invited to be the Democratic vice presidential candidate uh, for Joe Biden, and so we're going to really kind of break all that down. We're going to get into that, and I've got a couple other comments. We got a little bit of the uh, JRP mailbag. Uh, share some of the comments and questions some of our loyal listeners and viewers have shared, and uh, we'll. Talk talk a little bit about, gosh, um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about elections. And if we have time, maybe even some kind of funky things with email. I've got a couple comments on that as well. So um, what's been going on? I mean, I just I just wrapped up the Padre game. They just lost to the the Dodgers six nothing. You, know, you can't win them all. Um, you know, I have a bet with my buddy Dennis at the Postal Annex in Poway. He's a big Dodger fan and I'm a Padre fan. And we always have a bet every series. Usually I come up on the short end of the stick. Um, we I lost the series earlier, like a couple weeks ago, when the Padres only won one out of three. Now they're in a four-game series, and the Padres won the first two. I was feeling pretty good, but now I, can, I can't lose, but hopefully I can win. So the Padres lost today 6 uh, nothing, and so they play the fourth of a four-game series tomorrow. And um, we'll be rooting for the Padres there. So hopefully they'll win three out of four. And then good old Dennis will take me out to lunch. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, today, not the bats just weren't doing it. And uh, you, know, you can't win them all. Um, the other interesting little tidbit of news before we get into Kamala Harris is that um, you know, Uber and the CEO for Uber has said that its service will probably be shut down temporarily in the state of California if it's forced to classify all of its drivers as employees. And this goes back to the whole, you know, attack on the gig economy. And I did a whole episode on this about how it was just so such a rotten decision by some of our state leaders to go after gig workers. I mean, these are people that are trying to balance, you know, their life and their work. And as independent contractors, they have more control over that life balance. Some of these people are doing it as side gigs. Some of them are doing them as temporary gigs. It offered workers tremendous flexibility. And, you know, of course, the state government wants to come in. They want to, you know, make them employees. So they're paying more payroll taxes. They want to make them employees. So they have potentially to be unionized. And there's a lot of other political motivations. Um, and then, but, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are losing their jobs left and right. And now, you know, the government is just making it even harder. So it's a shame, you know, what's going to happen here if uh, if Uber um, decides not to, um, or at least to temporarily halt its service. I'm sure Uber's playing a little bit of, you know, gamesmanship here on this, um, you know, because, you know, they're obviously spending a lot of money lobbying to have that law overturned. I'm not sure if that's on the November ballot or not, but interesting to see that piece of news about Uber possibly shutting down temporarily in the state of California. Um, 
All right. Well, let's let's get into this uh, whole bit about Joe Biden selects Kamala Harris as his vice presidential candidate. And boy, I'm you know, I, I probably spend too much time on social media, but boy, it's just been lots of activity about this. And some of my friends on the left, my Democratic friends and even some of my progressive friends, which is interesting, have been praising this pick, saying, oh, it's great. Kamala Harris. She's tough. She's a fighter. She's a prophet. Prosecutor, she won't take any crap, and and you know it's kind of like it's interesting how politics has turned into like the World Wrestling Federation, where everyone wants a candidate that can kick someone's ass, you know. And I know a lot of people voted for Trump for that reason, and and now the Democrats are going to have like you know a strong vice presidential candidate. And that's really firing people up. And um, and then on top of it, you know, she checks the boxes of a lot of those that are concerned with identity politics. She's black. She's a woman. I mean, uh, Biden promised he was going to nominate a woman. And as time went on, it seemed pretty clear he was going to nominate a black woman. And Kamala Harris, I think, was the logical choice if if you're kind of painting yourself into a corner, um, because a lot of the other um, I mean, she was probably the most qualified of all of them, obviously, a presidential candidate. She was on the stage. Um, so a, a lot of my friends on the left are really excited. You know, they're, they're thinking, OK, now, you know, we've got Robin to to. Biden's Batman and the two of them are going to take down Trump and people are really fired up about this. And I'm on the other side of it. I'm going, oh, my God. I mean, this this choice to me was just awful, terrible choice. Now, granted, I'm not a Democrat. Granted, I'm not going to vote for Biden. And by the way, I'm not voting for Trump either. And I'll probably talk a little bit about that as we get into the podcast. Um but I'm not the target person, you know, here that they're trying to appeal to when they when they bring on Kamala Harris. And w- what's my problem with it is it's just it's everything to do with there's a lot of issues. But the main thing is that it, we're in an era right now where we're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're talking about social justice, you know, where, where we have, you know, people being um, <laughs> I mean, George Floyd, you know, killed by a police officer with his knee on his neck. We've got um, a mass incarceration state. We've got people being thrown into prison at tremendous rates. We have more people in prison in America per capita than just about any nation on the planet. Um, it, it's just outrageous. I mean, the amount that's going, you know, amount of, um, you know, the war on drugs and how people are being locked up so aggressively in this country. And then the Democrats come out and nominate not just a former attorney general, a former district attorney of San Francisco, but a really, really aggressive one um, that, in my opinion, helped create some of these problems, has has kind of taken gleeful pride in putting a lot of these people into jail um, to the point where you're just wondering, it's almost like a mixed message, because if we're going to talk about you know, criminal justice reform, if we're going to talk about this notion of defunding the police, which really doesn't mean defunding, it means sort of rearranging the budget. But still, this is a person that is symbolic of 
criminal injustice, in my opinion. And then to top it off, she's being paired up with Joe Biden, the author of the 1990s crime bill that helped put a lot more people in prison that, you know, was responsible for, um, yeah, the, the mass incarceration state. So now you have the dynamic duo of mass incarceration representing the Democratic Party, which is supposed to be the party of the people, the party of the oppressed minority, the party that's supposed to come in and really be more sympathetic than the Republicans, more sympathetic to this notion of Black Lives Matter. And it just seems that symbolically, we've got the wrong people here. Now, granted, I'm not the target audience, you know, but the people that are the target audience are are in love with this pick. But I think for the most part, they'd probably be happy with anyone because they just wanted to get a vice president and get going and go and take down Trump. But I don't know if you remember, it was in the um, it was in the first presidential debate. And it was, um, uh, well, hey, Jake LeClaire just uh, joining us here on the podcast. Hey, Jake, how you doing? Um, anyways, uh, in the first presidential debate, uh, I can remember, but uh, Tulsi Gabbard, the congresswoman from Hawaii, just ripped Kamala Harris. And actually, it was the second debate because the first one, Kamala Harris was the superstar. She, quote unquote, won the first debate um, for the for the Democrats. But in the second debate, they all came after her. And and Tulsi Gabbard had this great line. I want to read to you this portion of the transcript because this is encapsulating what I'm talking about of why I think this is just such an awful pick. And Tulsi Gabbard, who, by the way, a lot of Democrats really are angry with Tulsi. Tulsi Gabbard, uh, but I don't care. I'm just going to share this. Um, Tulsi said, I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across the country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president. But I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep the bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. The bottom line is, Senator Harris, when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives, you did not. And worse yet, in the case where of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. And I was like, right on, Tulsi. I mean, just letting her have it for all the right reasons. Um, so again, you know, a, a prosecutor that 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 unfairly locked a lot of people up in prison is now the vice presidential candidate of the party that's supposed to be sympathetic um, to the notion of Black Lives Matter and the the rightful notion of Black Lives Matter and the rightful uh, notion of criminal justice reform. It's like you're you're bringing a, a fox into the hen house is what it seems like to me. Um, 
but you know, I saw this other person. They posted this on, I think it was on Twitter, and talking about Harris and Biden's uh, the Harris Biden tickets disastrous record on criminal justice, where um, Joe Biden supported the 1994 crime bill, you know, because that's the one that put in all the mandatory minimums and a lot of uh, tough on crime policy, which was very popular back in the 1990s, bipartisan, both Republican and Democrat. But he strongly supported it. And if you YouTube, you can actually see some of the speeches he gave on the Senate floor, just really like prancing around like a like a peacock, showcasing how tough on crime he he really wanted to be. Um, and he even pushed President Reagan to push for str- to be stronger on mass incarceration. Joe Biden, you know, back when he was a lot younger. And then, of course, Harris, um, Kamala Harris convict wrongly convicted people. You know, Tulsi said 1,500 um, marijuana convictions, but really it was over 1,900. Um, even Kamala Harris threatened to put parents in jail if their children were truant from school. I mean, truancy violations, and she wanted to put the parents in jail. I mean, this is just insane. Um, so I just think it's just such an awful pick. And then I remember during the presidential debates, you know, they always ask the candidates, you know, um, what are what are your priorities going to be and what are the things you want to do? And I remember Kamala Harris was on stage and she would say, on day one, I'm going to do this, this, this and this. I'm thinking, what are you thinking? You on day one, you can't do anything. You have to have legislation passed by Congress for you to sign. But these presidential candidates, they want to you know, basically do what President Trump has been doing with these executive orders and get out a pen and a phone and act like an authoritarian, like an autocrat, like a dictator, like a king or a queen. Um, That's just the wrong approach. Uh, A president isn't the authoritative person. Um, A president has a scope of authority. And I just found that to be very disturbing. Um, She even, as a candidate, um, talked about abolishing private insurance, um, you know, because she was pushing for Medicare for all. And, you know, it's just it was that hardcore aggressive. It wasn't under the notion of, yeah, let's have a single payer system and let's you know have the government run it, which we can discuss. It's a whole separate topic. I'm not in favor of single payer, but. But she took the other approach, the more aggressive approach, and says, yeah, we're going to ban all private insurance. It just that hardcore, aggressive, authoritarian angle. Now, what's interesting is she later peeled it back. She had to reel it back um, to say, well, I'll still allow private insurance for um, uh, for, you know, additional coverage. Um, but it, I, I just I don't think she's a very good candidate. And a lot of a lot of people, frankly, disliked her through this process. Um, but, you know, when, when Biden said he was going to nominate a woman, then immediately the pool of candidates shrunk. And then when it seemed like he was going to nominate a woman um, of color, then the pool of potential candidates got even smaller. And I think of that group, it seemed like 
um, Kamala Harris was probably going to be the one. Now, all along, I was thinking it was either going to be um, the mayor from Atlanta. Um, I think her last name is Bottoms. And um, then or it was going to be the governor of New Mexico, a Latina. And her her last name, I think, is Lujan Grisham. So I thought it was going to be one of those two. That's what my money was on. But it ended up being Kamala Harris. Now, you'll see a lot of criticism that comes from the people on the right, and it can be downright nasty as they're going after Kamala Harris, um, you know, and, and about this notion that, you know, she she rose to power in politics by sleeping around. And I, I hear that and it just bothers me um, because I don't know if it's true or not. And people can point to Willie Brown and all these other things. But come on, do you need to really go there? And and really, if if you're a, a Republican or right wing person and you're 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 criticizing Kamala Harris for that, well, your your guy, you know, the the occupant number forty five was in the bus with Billy Bush, boasting about he was grabbing women and getting away with all kinds of stuff with women. He was the one that you know. I mean, we can go down the list with President Trump. And all of this, you know, ridiculousness. And then they want to play the same game against the Democrats while protecting their guy. And it's just stupid. So um, you don't need to go there. I mean, there's there's a lot of legitimate points why I think Kamala Harris is a bad candidate, uh, a bad choice for vice president. But really, you don't need to go into the gutter to prove that point. Um But then here's another really crazy case. And this involves San Diego as well. And. Remember Bob Filner, uh, Bob Filner, the the disgraced former mayor of San Diego. He was a former congressman. And remember, he got busted for all kinds of, um, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, abuse in the office, um, sexual discrimination, um, you know, made women very uncomfortable, in some cases assaulted women. And you remember when that all went down, this is when. Um, Kamala Harris was the attorney general in the state of Sacramento, or excuse me, the state of California, excuse me. And he, this, there was an article in the voice of San Diego and it was, um, it was titled why Filner got a good deal. And I want to read this portion from the article because it's very interesting because it involves Kamala Harris and former mayor, Bob Filner ultimately decided um, giving into his accusers was the best option. He pleaded guilty to felony false imprisonment and two counts of misdemeanor battery Tuesday in exchange for lenience in other areas. After the agreement with Filner was announced, state and local leaders hailed it as a way for San Diego to move forward and to ensure Filner pays for his misdeeds. Attorney General Kamala Harris, whose office secured the deal with Filner, was one of them. And Harris said, Filner's contact was not only criminal, it was also an extreme abuse of power. This prosecution is about consequence and accountability, and no one is above the law. Okay, that sounds really good, right? But Filner's decision to admit guilt came with benefits. And these are, here's the things that he got in, in exchange for this plea deal. He avoided the spectacle of trial. Um, he doesn't have to go to prison. Bob Filner never went to prison. Um, he isn't required to file as a sex offender. 
um, Filner's deal stands even if he doesn't show up for the sentencing. And usually, you know, you got to go to the sentencing portion of the trial. Um, you know, otherwise the deal falls through. He didn't have to go to that. And Filner won't have to pay additional victims unless there are more criminal and civil cases. And the author of this article from The Voice of San Diego said, most San Diegans wouldn't get such favorable terms from prosecutors. So here you've got a government official, Kamala Harris, then the attorney general of the state of California, so-called being tough on crime, going after a disgraced mayor of San Diego, another government official who really should have been set as an example, who really should have gone to prison, who should have been just held to the fullest extent of the law. He ended up not having to go to prison. He ended up not having to file as a sex offender. This deal that Kamala Harris cooked up for Bob Filner let Filner off easy. And this is the person we want to have as vice president. Keep in mind, Kamala Harris is a Democrat. Bob Filner is a Democrat. So see how this works. Um, so again, I just have trouble with it. Now, um, I have some friends that are very, very, very left wing, that are progressive, that are as hardcore of Bernie Sanders supporters as you'll find. Um, and one of them is actually just was just aghast by this pick. He thought it was awful. Um, and he he thinks this is just another example of the Democratic Party abandoning any sort of progressive uh, policy and choosing a candidate that was much more centrist, much more, quote unquote, corporate, um, that could be more appealing. Uh, and then he, he was just so angry because he was already compromising his principles to to vote for Biden because, you know, Bernie lost. But now he's at the point where he thinks he may not even support the Democrats at all. And he's been throwing around this hashtag Dem exit um, because the Democratic Party is abandoning a lot of these progressive principles or, you know, or at least they're being the Democratic nominees are not embracing those progressive principles that the progressives have been fighting so hard for. So it's, it's interesting how there's that dynamic. But a lot of other progressives are just so focused on getting rid of Trump that they'll choose any Democrat. It doesn't matter who it is as long as it's not Trump. And, and frankly, in my opinion, that's the thing with Biden. He um, the, the one thing that Biden's got going for him is that he's not Trump. <laughs> and the one thing Trump's got going for him is that he's not Biden. I mean, that's how bad this has gotten. I mean, the, the, these elections have gotten to the point that we're just served up so two terrible candidates. Um, and we thought it was bad in 2016. It's even worse in 2020. Um, so uh, this is just unbelievable. Um, I've even heard, I mean, this is kind of a ridiculous criticism, but I'm going to bring it up because this shows the, the identity politics kind of going off a cliff um, where there are some people that are actually saying, well, you know, Kamala Harris, she's really not black, that her mother was Indian and her father was Jamaican. I mean, she's not really. And I was like, come on, really? I mean, people just making the most ridiculous arguments. It's like, come on, you know, um, she's a she's a person of color. Terrific. Good for her. But the way people want to parse it and divide it and say you're not really what you say you are. It's just unbelievable the things that people will go to. Um, but think about like people like to think about the debates, right? And and having Trump and Biden on the stage 
And that could be dangerous for Biden because Trump is like a, a, a mad dog with rabies and he, he'll go after Biden. And Biden, you kind of wonder if he's going to be able to put up a fight. But there will be a vice presidential debate. And that'll be an interesting one, too, because Kamala Harris is tough and aggressive. And Mike Pence is like Mike Pence is I don't know how you describe him. He, he's just almost invisible. I mean, he's a sycophant. He's he's. I don't know. It's it's nuts. I've even heard ridiculous rumors that that Trump maybe needs to replace Pence as vice president and get Nikki Haley <laughs> so Nikki Haley can go one on one with Kamala Harris. But it, they're not going to do that. It'll still be Pence. Um, but that'll be an interesting debate, too. Uh, the vice presidential debate. But really, it's the vice presidential piece of it is interesting. But does anybody really make their decision based on the vice president? I mean, there might be one or two people, but for the most part, it's it's kind of a non-issue. Um, but I'm looking forward to the debates. It's I talked about it last time. It's it's entertainment. It's like a sporting event, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I'll tell you this: the silver lining for me is thank God it wasn't Elizabeth Warren, um, and she is was my least favorite of all the Democratic nominees or the Democratic primary nominees. Um, so at least it wasn't. Elizabeth Warren. So um, we've got that to go with. So yeah, Kamala Harris, interesting choice. Um, I, I think, you know, Biden is up in the polls. And I think if Biden, he's probably trying to run out the clock, you know, like, uh, like, a, like a football game in the fourth quarter, and just be conservative. And I think if Biden doesn't make any unforced errors, I think he's going to win this. And will Kamala Harris help him in doing that? You know, maybe. Uh, Kamala Harris can be a little bit um, cavalier in the things she said. They're going to have to keep her in her lane. And Biden, of course, can get is a gaffe machine. So I'm sure they're carefully protecting them and limiting their exposure. Uh, So we'll see how this goes. Okay, Um, I want to do a new segment here on the podcast and it's I'm going to I'm going to call us a mailbag. And so um, if you have questions or comments about the podcast um, that questions for me, questions about what I'm doing and every sorts of thing. Just reach out to me. You can contact me on my website at johnreillyproject.com. A lot of people reach out to me through social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, So reach out to me there. But there were two of our loyal um, listeners and watchers had some questions, and we had some conversations, some in email, some in um, uh, on Facebook, but I, I thought I'd share some of this in the spirit of it all. Um, and the first one was um, from Michael Devine, and he, you know he's a, a a fellow Powegian lives here in town. I think a lot of people that are active on some of the uh, Facebook groups here in Poway know Mike. Uh, Mike, of course, is a hardcore Trump guy, a hardcore Republican, and he was commenting how in my last episode, which you know he enjoyed, uh, but he said that um, why are you always coming after Trump. You know, why are you always coming after the Republicans when the Democrats are doing this horrible thing and that horrible thing? And he he listed, made a list. And it's interesting because I, okay, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a registered no party preference. I'm registered independent. 
philosophically, I mean, some people say I'm, I'm, I'm a libertarian or I'm liberty minded, but I, I like to think of myself not really as that. I like to think of myself as a person that just supports individual rights um, and, you know, supports free trade and capitalism and individual rights. And and that's kind of where I line up. Well, um, it's funny because when we live in a world um, that is very binary. Well, like you're, if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat and it's one or the other, it seems, and at least how this political conversations go. And so Mike, Mike Devine was saying, how come you're always going after the Republicans, but not going after the Democrats? And it's funny because sometimes when you go after one of them, if you go after, let's just say in this case, the Republicans, sometimes people think that really that means you're a Democrat. Or vice versa. If you're if you're always hammering away on Democrats, they really think that you're secretly a Republican. <laughs> and that's funny for me because in some other Facebook groups, I have conversations with people and I will criticize the Democrats aggressively. And they all think, oh, yeah, you're just a closet Trump supporter. And I'm like, Jesus, these people are insane. Um, now, Mike. Mike's a good guy. Uh, Mike and I have some disagreement on some political issues. Um, but Mike was wondering why I don't go after the Democrats. And I promised him, I say, look, my next podcast, I'm going to be criticizing the Kamala Harris um, uh, selection as vice president. So, Mike, there you go. Um, yeah. Uh, and I've done I, I've commented quite a bit on my criticism of Elizabeth Warren. I give a whole podcast on Elizabeth Warren. I give I did a whole podcast on Andrew Yang. Um, you know, Andrew Yang actually has some very good qualities. Was, he's a guy that I kind of liked, although there are some elements of his campaign platform I thought were unworkable, specifically UBI. But Elizabeth Warren, for me, was just a flat out disaster um, just with her policies and, and her character, in my opinion. Um, but at any rate, um, yeah, so, Mike, you can expect I'm going to keep coming after Trump because I don't like him either. Uh, Trump is um, a guy that uh, has a flawed um, economic uh, view of the world. I think he has uh, his his views on immigration, I think, are flawed. Um, I think he has a, a very flawed character. Um, fiscally, he's a disaster. And I, I can go down the list. And I bet you. Every point I would make, you would have a counterpoint for me, and maybe we'll have that conversation on another day. Um, the other um, comment that I got in the mailbag, and this was from um, my, my friend Jack up in San Francisco, and he said, why were you doing a live stream on Monday night at midnight? And I did that last time, and, and I wanted to tell you that, and I explained this to Jack in the email. I went on my trip to Pahrump. I think I told you that story in the last podcast. And I, I had a, a, a really good time um, just by myself in solitude in the desert. And I took time to do nothing. I took time to journal, to write, to think, to process through issues, to plan on things. But I didn't I went by myself to a city where there was really not much to do at all. I had nothing scheduled, nothing. <laughs> it was just me alone. And in solitude, it was very fulfilling. One of the things that I, I had promised myself is that when I got back from that trip, um, I was going to do a podcast. And lately, I've been doing live streaming. I've been experimenting with this format and um, and uh, trying to get some Q&A. And we've got some Q&A here from some other people that are chiming in. And I will answer your questions in a moment. But I was um, 
I had promised myself I was going to do the, the live stream. But by the time I got home, I walked in. There was a little bit of drama in the household. We had dinner and then I had to unpack. And then the Padre game was on Monday night. The Padres won. And then I had to unpack my podcasting gear and get it set up. And wouldn't you know, by the time I started, it was midnight. And now I'm doing it here. And it's a little after 10 because I waited till after the Padre game. Uh, but I'm kind of experimenting with this um, live streaming and trying to get a... Um, uh, into a rhythm with it. Um, I want to engage with the audience. I want to do Q and a, um, cause that's, and so I, I got a new camera to, so I can do more of this sort of, um, interactive podcast format. So we got a couple of questions here or a couple of thoughts in it, um, from Chris. And he said, people don't like Californians. I thought it was a bad pick. <laughs> Kamala Harris, of course, a Californian. Um, Chris went on to say, uh, people in Austin, in Phoenix, Denver, Wyoming, nobody likes Californians. Um, you know, I, I remember I, my wife and I, we went on a a trip with the uh, a, a trip with backroads. You ever heard of them? It's like one of those um, cycling vacations where you ride a bike for 30 miles and then you camp overnight and, you know, they got a crew on a van and they'll haul your gear and then they set up tents and they cook you breakfast in the morning and then you um, you go for another 30 miles. We did one of those vacations back in the 90s and we were in, um, is it Fort, what's the fort up near Seattle? Is it Fort Townsend? Um, I can't remember the name. It's where they filmed Officer and a Gentleman. And we were doing a tour there with a tour guide. And boy, was he critical of Californians. I mean, just hardcore because he said, oh, these Californians are coming in and and uh, they're raising our house prices and everything. And it was just like, whoa. Um, but yeah, that's a real thing. Um, my wife has a friend who is a professor at the University of Washington. And when they moved up to up to Seattle, they still had California plates and she had parked her car in the university parking lot and someone that day got out a, a red lipstick and on the windshield had written, go home. Um, so yeah, it's pretty aggressive. Um, a lot of people don't like Californians. And I think now it's not so much that Californians come in with, with money and jack up real estate prices. I think a lot of times now they are coming in and they don't like their politics. You know, they, they think we're a lot of the progressives from California are coming in and, and turning red states blue. Um, so interesting. Oh, my good friend, Jamie, uh, responded here. Jamie, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in a long time, except through Facebook. Uh, Jamie said, Biden could have picked a bag of moldy potatoes as vice president, and I'd still pick him over Trump. And yeah, there's a lot of people that are like that. You know, they, they don't really care who the vice presidential pick is. And whoever Biden picked, they'd get right behind them and they'd be cheering them on because all that matters is that Trump is taken out. And I hear you. I, I, Trump needs to be removed from office. And I'm with you there. I'm just not a Biden fan. I'm not a Kamala fan. Um, but uh, yeah, the, and I think it almost didn't matter who the Democrats nominated. I mean, they could have picked anyone on that stage and they would have been essentially the 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 candidate that represented not Trump. Um, and I think that's what we're dealing with right now. So um Jake, Chris, Jamie, thanks for chiming in. Um, I'm making these live broadcasts, you know, live streaming on Facebook, on YouTube. So, yeah, feel free to ask questions. We'll make this interactive. I'm kind of, as a host, trying to get used to this. Um, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. So that's part of the fun of 
live streaming and podcasting and the internet. We can do a lot of clever things. Um, yeah, let's let's get to this this topic here about this. Like Jamie said, you know, Biden could have picked a bag of moldy potatoes as vice president, and I'd still pick him over Trump. Um, it's interesting is I'm having conversations with people and they, they say to me, uh, or they'll, they'll be saying, yeah, you know, Biden, he's there, he's our guy and Kamala Harris, you know, she's terrific. And and I'll make what I believe are rightful criticisms of the two of them. I mean, Biden, especially on the crime bill, um, in the nineties, terrible. Um, and not just the fact that he was sponsor and he was supportive of it, but he was so proudly, um, uh, for it, that he just wanted to lock up people and, and he really wanted to see mass incarceration. And then on top of it, Biden voted for the Iraq war. And now, remember, that was back after 9-11. And I knew Biden was planning to run for president, not in 04, but in 08. And so you had a lot of those Democrats, they didn't want to be perceived to be weak on terrorism. So they came out and voted for the Iraq war, or maybe more technically voted to give President Bush the authority to go to war if the president wished to. But we all knew that President Bush wanted to go to war. And I remember Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, um, John Edwards, you know, the guy with the $300 haircuts and um, um, Chris Dodd, who also ran for president in 08. They all voted for the Iraq war, which was a terrible decision. Um, I was against it from the beginning. And um, there were people protesting in the streets in America and around the world telling them we do not support America going in. This is before um, the United States sent forces into Iraq. And, of course, it turned out to be the disaster that so many of us predicted. Biden supported that. Um, so there's a lot of rightful criticism of these people. But but we and I make a point that I'm not going to vote for either one of them. I'm not going to vote for Trump and I'm not going to vote for Biden. And people look at me, they're like, oh, this is crazy. You can't do that. I mean, if you if you vote, because I'm going to probably vote for a third party. I mean, that's what I generally do, um, you know, or I'll do a write in. Um, you know, if there is an independent candidate that I like, I'll pick them. What, it's funny how people, when they think of voting, what their thought process is. We're in a situation where we're always served up two awful candidates. You know, and maybe some are less awful than the other. You know, people talk about it. It's a lesser of evils decision, right? So you vote for the bad guy because you want to keep the really, really bad guy from winning. So what ends up happening is, is that we end up in this system of terrible decisions and we keep settling for a milder version of evil every time. And I just don't play that game. Um, for me, voting is all about an expression of my values. For me, voting is voting for what I want, voting for a candidate that's aligned with what I believe, even if they have no chance of winning. And then some people will say, you're wasting your vote. You're throwing it away on a candidate that has no chance of winning. Well, I'm sorry. We have an electoral college system, right? So every state has its own vote. Um, and in the state of California, whoever gets the most votes will get 100% of the electoral college um, delegates or votes. I can't remember what they call it. Um, it's a winner take all for the state of California. And we all know what's going to happen in California. 
It's going to be it's one of the safe blue states. It's one of the bluest of the blue states. California is going to be overwhelmingly going to vote for Biden. I mean, in 2016, roughly speaking, eight million people voted for Clinton and four million people voted for Trump. There was a four million vote spread um, uh, between Clinton and Trump, a, a two to one ratio, like not just a landslide, but a landslide of landslides. It was just massive. So when people say, you, you know, you're throwing away your vote. Well, if you voted for Trump in California, you're throwing away your vote based on the mathematics of it all. Um, and frankly, you know, because if the state is so lopsided, it doesn't matter who you vote. The state's going to go all Democratic anyways, no matter what. Stone cold lock. So you don't have to compromise. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to pick the lesser of evils because I want to keep the really evil guy out. Well, everyone else is doing that work for you. <laughs> so what I do is I, I say, I'm going to vote for what I want. I'm going to vote for who, who is most aligned with my values. And then I know I can go to sleep at night and it's not a problem. I, I can rest easy. I can sleep like a baby knowing that I voted for what was consistent with me what was true to me. And um, people, you know, it's funny. The other angle is, is they'll say a vote for a third party is really a vote for Trump. And I'm like, that makes no sense at all. You know, because it assumes that if the third party wasn't there, that the vote would go to Trump. It's just nonsense. I mean, if you have a, if you have choice A, B and C and you choose C, that is not a vote for A or B, no matter what people try to say. So you, you, it's interesting is on a lot of these um, conver- you know, chat rooms and, and Facebook groups and everything, there's a lot of bullying. You see that where people are just so obsessed with getting Trump out that they won't do whatever is necessary. They will elect whoever is necessary to get him out. And I agree. Trump is awful and Trump must be removed. I'm 100 percent on board with that. But I'm not going to do by voting for someone that represents, in my opinion, the opposite of so many things that I believe in. Um, Biden is um, is, you know, he's going to implement policies that I do not like. So I don't see any reason to support him. And then when you look at the track record of all the reasons I've cited previously in this podcast, to me, there's no way. So, you know, all along, I was um, planning um, to support Justin Amash. um, And he was potentially going to be the libertarian candidate for president, but then he backed out. And so right now I'm at a stage where I'm not sure if I'm going to write in Justin Amash because he's a guy that I really, really believe in. Um, And I've done podcasts about Justin Amash if you want to go back and look those up. The other alternative is, is that I could vote for the libertarian candidate. And uh, that's Joe Jorgensen. You know, Joe, it's a woman, Joe, as in Josephine, Joe Jorgensen. She's a college professor at Clemson. She was the vice presidential candidate on the libertarian ticket in 1996. Um, you know, she says all the right things. She's not a, as strong of a candidate as I'd like to see. Um, she's largely unknown. Um, you know, I don't think she's going to do as well as Gary Johnson did. I think Gary Johnson got about 3% of the vote. So I'm hopeful that she'll get that much, but she probably won't. I mean, this this election is so darn 
partisan. Um, but I know that if I voted for her or if I wrote in Justin Amash, for me, I would be fine with that either way. And then I know that I have my backup strategy that no matter who I vote for, California is going to give 100% of his electoral college votes to Trump. And so, uh, excuse me, to Biden, pardon me, to Biden. California will give 100% of its electoral college votes to Biden. And then um, that's all that can, California can really do to remove Trump is they'll just vote accordingly. So um, that's what I'm going to do. I still have to figure out one of those two choices and we'll see. Um, Jamie chiming in again, Jamie says, shouldn't the third party or no party movement start way before the election? What do you gain by voting for someone who's not been part of the campaign season? Well, I'll respond to that. These candidates have been running. The third party candidates have been running since, you know, 2019, in some cases since 2018. It's just that they're not covered by the press. The the process is rigged for the Republicans and Democrats. The process is is everything is set up that way. It, it makes it difficult for third parties to get on ballots because they've got to get all the signatures. It makes it difficult for they can't get into the debates because they set a threshold. And then the minute Perot was able to get uh, and pass the threshold, they up the threshold higher to keep them out of the debates. But like the Libertarian Party, for example, and, and again, I'm not a member of that party. I'm no party preference. But the Libertarian Party has like hundreds of elected officials in state and local races or, or state and local offices that have been successfully elected. So people say, how you got to third parties need to start earlier. They need to get working at the local level. Well, they already are. But once you start to rise up out of a local office like city council or school board and begin to run for statewide offices, then party politics plays a role. And again, the system is set up that third parties or independent candidates have a heck of a time being successful because candidates in the Republican and Democratic Party have a whole machine of precinct walkers and fundraising and all kinds of things that back those candidates and a media that is generally supportive of those two will only cover those two. And then it creates a a catch 22, a chicken and egg for these independent or third party candidates um, that they can't get the coverage unless they get support in the polls, but they can't get support in the polls unless they get the coverage. And then you have an independent candidate like Howard Schultz, the former um, CEO of Starbucks. And I did a podcast episode on him. Howard Schultz came out and he was talking about running and, and he got bullied and shot down because people were just so obsessed with doing everything possible to take out Trump. And so Howard Schultz was not an ideal candidate in my mind at all, but I just liked his presence because when when we get to the debates, the presidential debates in September and October, we need more than two choices, people. We Coke and Pepsi, that's it? I mean, come on. I mean, everything in America, we have a, a long list of choices, but they keep serving up two for president and often two terrible choices. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm probably going to go, like I said, I'm either going to do a write-in or I'm going to vote for the Libertarian candidate. I haven't yet decided Um and we'll we'll kind of see how these next couple of months shake out. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. The, the other thing I think that would be really helpful on this whole topic 
is the idea of ranked choice voting. And if you're not familiar with ranked choice voting, it's also called instant runoff voting. And imagine you can go into the booth and you could vote and you could say, okay, there are four candidates. And I'll use an example of the 2000 presidential election. Remember that was um, Al Gore and George W. Bush. And and then you remember one of the um, third party candidates that year was um, um, the Green Party candidate, Ralph Nader. And you remember in in uh, Florida was the deciding state. Uh, Florida was very, very close. There were a lot of Ralph Nader voters in Florida, more than the margin of victory. People said, oh, the Ralph Nader people screwed over Al Gore. And I mean, never mind the fact that Al, uh, that Ralph Nader voters were rejecting Al Gore. Never mind the fact that Al Gore's home state of Tennessee rejected Al Gore. Um, but imagine you were in that election and let's say you were a hardcore progressive and you really liked Ralph Nader, you could have ranked the candidates as number one, Ralph Nader, number two, Al Gore, and then dead last, George W. Bush. And the way that works is, is that if they look at all the first place votes for all the candidates and who, if someone gets more than 50%, then they win. But if no one gets 50%, then they go to the last place candidates and then they bubble those to the their number two choice and so on and so on. So it has like an algorithm to it where um, in the end, a voter doesn't feel like they have to vote for a lesser of evils. A voter can vote for who they want without fear that they can't um, block the worst guy out. So if you really didn't want George W. Bush in the 2000 election, you could have voted for him dead last in your stack ranking voted for who you really wanted. Maybe in this case, it was Ralph Nader as number one. And then your safety pick, Al Gore, is your number two. Um, so that strategy to me is wonderful. It um, and, and I know they've implemented it in many cities. I know the state of Maine did it for the presidential primaries. Um, I have a friend that lives in Minneapolis, and he was telling me it's so warmly embraced there that um, the voter turnout is tremendously higher because of ranked choice voting, which is great. And then it has an instant runoff part of it. So, it, you know, in some local races, they have a primary and then they take the top two and then they have a general election. And, you know, that costs the the, the city um, or the, the, the government agency more money for that additional election. Well, ranked choice has that algorithm that it kind of does the general election all in one vote. It's an instant runoff. So it has a lot of benefits. And I, I think, um, I think that'd be very helpful. But in the end, I know that my vote is not going to break a tie, um, especially in the state of California. So I don't really need to hold my nose and vote for Biden uh, because I really don't want Trump. Um, but it, it's an interesting calculus. Some people vote to keep the bad guy out um, or the really bad guy out. But I, I vote according to my own values. And I know some people are aghast by that. But so so be it. Um, Jamie, thank you uh, for sharing your thoughts here on the podcast episode. Um, so, yeah, we're about 49 minutes into this. Um, I'm not going to go much further here. It's late. It's almost an hour. I'd like to keep these solo podcasts to about an hour. So if you'd like to get on my mailing list, go visit my website at johnreillyproject.com. 
com slash subscribe. Um, you can reach out to me on social media. We can continue the conversation. Uh, I have the John Riley Project Facebook page. Um, I also have the John Riley Project Insiders group where um, it's a smaller group. It's invite only. Um, you got to answer a few questions. I let everyone in um, and we kind of have a little more detailed discussions about some of these podcast episodes. You can join me there um, or reach out to me on Twitter, uh, John Riley Poway. And I'm usually posting a lot of political and sports content. That's the kind of stuff I enjoy talking about. Um, and I want to leave a quote here. I always do my solo podcasts with um, I close them with a quote. And here's a quote from Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, the presidential nominee of, well, the unofficial, the yet to be officially ordained nominee of the Democratic Party. And Joe Biden said, remember, no one decides who they're going to vote for based on the vice president. I mean that literally. And he's right. I mean, we can talk about Kamala Harris. We could talk about Mike Pence. But really, it, it's, it's about it, really this election is about Trump. Really, this election is whether you're for Trump or not for Trump. That's how 99% of the people see this, or maybe 95% of the people see it. Um, People are going to vote for president based on the president, not the vice president. So I know a lot of people here in California are going to vote for Biden. I know there's some people here in California that will vote for Trump. The Biden voters are going to landslide the Trump voters. And I know the Trump voters are enthusiastic. We see them out on the street corners here. Uh, But Biden's going to win California. It's not even going to be close. And that's why the candidates know that. They don't spend barely any money here advertising because they don't have to. Because California is in the bag for Biden. And that's also the flaw of the Electoral College, by the way. I'm not a fan of that either because they're able to separate the nation and say, well, California is in the bag and and then other states are in the bag for the Republicans. And then they narrow it down to a handful of four or five states that are the true battleground. And that's where they focus their time and energy. So not a fan of the Electoral College. And the, I know the response always is, well, if we didn't have the Electoral College, Los Angeles and New York would choose all of our presidents. Well, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> People would choose our presidents. People, one man, one vote, one woman, one vote, one gender, one vote. Um, people would choose our presidents. And the, in a democracy, the most votes wins, period. That's how it should be, in my opinion. Um, the idea of the Electoral College was, frankly, it was built to give states that were very rural or to give states that had high percentages of slaves a disproportional um, advantage um, in the beginning. And there may or may not have been reasons for it. Maybe there were compromises made in the beginning between Northern and Southern states. But I think the Electoral College is, has, is, is really outplayed itself. And I'd like to see that go away. So at any rate, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, this is the John Riley Project. It's episode 149. So next one will be 150. Um, I'm hoping Frank Fournier is going to be joining us. He's a political candidate for the city of Poway. We're tentatively talking about doing this on Friday. We haven't set the time, but when we see you next, I'm hoping that we'll have a Zoom call interview um, with a political candidate here locally. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for watching, and we'll catch you later, friends. Bye-bye.